Hello, welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturgis, Mississippi. Today, you will hear Dr. Jeremy McCory's teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 1, focusing on Paul's call for unity among believers. We pray this message encourages and inspires you to a closer walk with God. Uh, this morning uh, begins a, a month that we are going to talk about the theme of revival. It is integrated into everything that we do as we, as we get towards revival, but also as we sustain the, the fire of revival is something that is going to, to be in each and everything. And so, um, so that's kind of where we're designating this month. The sermons will kind of be designated around that. Um, and uh, just kind of the, the understanding that we want God to do something extraordinary, that we want God to do something that only He can do uh, in your lives, but also maybe friends and family, others that you meet, that you invite to be a part of things here on that day or those days ahead. So, so remember those days, write them in your planner, whatever it takes. Um, we're going to be looking at this morning 1 Corinthians 1. So if you have your Bible, 1 Corinthians 1, if you do not have a Bible, did not bring one in the pew in front of you, should be a Bible there, and it is, it is there for you to read. And if you don't have a Bible at all, maybe this is your first time, uh, please take that Bible. You're welcome to take that home. Yes, I'm encouraging you to take a Bible from church, but at the same time, you're saying with me, you need a Bible so that you can learn more about what God has for you. So, so there's a two-way kind of thing there. If you want a Bible, please feel free to take one of these nice Bibles. All right, so 1 Corinthians 1, this is Paul, and Paul is calling for unity. Together, I believe the church can do far greater, can have a greater impact when we are together than when we are are individuals that are seeking after our own pursuits. We can do so much more together. And so, in this understanding, Paul is, 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 is talking to the church, and he is talking to the people, and he is encouraging them in that same way. He wants them to understand the unity they have, wants them to understand what they give as a testimony and he desires for them to do something in relation to that. And so the first portion of this, as we look at it, verse 1 talks about the greeting. So this is Paul, as, called as an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, and all who are in every place in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Christ, Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in Him, in all speech and in all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ who will also conform you to his to the end confirm you to the end blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ 
So this is a greeting. He's, he's using words like my and our God and what Jesus has done in our life and how we are working together to remain steadfast and blameless before God and how God is using others around us to do this. And so the grace of God, the grace of God given through Jesus Christ in all things that we're enriched, in all things that we are growing, in all things that we are working together, that we are eagerly awaiting what God is going to do. To me, that is, that is a great understanding of, of, of anticipation. You and I are anticipating that God is going to do something today in our lives that is going to remarkably move us closer to Him and give us the right heart and standing as we encounter a brand spanking new year. As we encounter a time of revival in our individual lives and as well as in our church. Because the church, yes, the church is all-encompassing. Yes, it pulls together the building and the structure, if you think of it that way, of what the church is. But the church is also the people within the church. Those who earnestly seek after God, that humble themselves, that love one another, despite their faults, despite their disagreements, they have a, a fire that will not end. And so, to walk blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, our greatest goal should be, as we stand together, that we could reach more for the cause of Christ than ever before. Our greatest goal should be as a church is not that we could fill every pew, it's that we could have Christ fill every heart. That Christ could do something in each and every person's life that is hard to understand, but is blessed nonetheless. If you try to put a finger on everything that God is doing in your life, it's kind of overwhelming, isn't it? It's kind of hard to understand sometimes how God is working in the background of such times as we've been through. But it is God who brings that grace and that peace that we long for and seek. And it's God who guides and governs our hearts to do more than we ever thought we were capable of doing. You know, um, I've always been one of those who's a lifelong learner. Uh, and if you've ever heard that that set of words, that means that I don't think that I've ever reached a point where I'm completely finished growing in Christ. I am a lifelong learner. That means that there is more today to learn than I knew yesterday. That also means that if I royally messed up yesterday, today God's mercies are new each morning. That if, that if I look ahead, what is my goal? My goal is to stand with everyone and fight the darkness of this world, that others might know, that they might taste and see that the Lord is good. But also I might point to an ever-faithful God. When you and I face times of uncertainty, and we face times in our lives where we don't know what's going on, or we face times where we just are, are trying to figure things out, we understand very, very, very much so that God is faithful even when we wander. God is faithful even through our questioning. God is faithful through all things. And so verse 9 kind of pulls that out and fleshes that out a little bit. It says, God is faithful 
through whom you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree that there be no divisions among you, but that there be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this. Anybody ever said that? Any parent ever said this? I mean this. I feel like this is one of those things where it's kind of like this. You know what you ought to be doing, right? <laughs> you know better. You've heard that one, right? You know better. You know what you should be doing. But I'm going to tell you anyway. It says, Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul has not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that none of you would say, You were baptized in my name. Now I did baptize also the house of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ has not, did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. What was he saying? He said, God is ever faithful. I want everything to point back to him and his redeeming glory in the lives around me. In other words, Paul said, I want to be an unknown. I want God to be known. That God did this extraordinary work in me, and God can do an extraordinary work in your lives too. In other words, he was just saying, look, I may have baptized some, but this is why. You were baptized. This is because of the redeeming love of an almighty father that he, Jesus, they sent Jesus to die for us in our place. For he did not send me to baptize, he said, but to preach the gospel. As we think about the understanding of unity in the ever faithful God, we must be ones who are willing to preach the gospel. And I think sometimes to do so, we got to get out of our own way, don't we? How many times do we get in our own way, trip up in our own path, because somehow we veer it into being about us, but it's all about God and His glory. You know, there's, there's a thousand and one things that I wish I could have done, but I can't neglect the one that I should. That one is bringing an understanding to Jesus Christ, to share the gospel, to preach the gospel, to share beyond my faults, but share who He is. So there's a wisdom that I need to be pursuing. When we desire to portray Jesus Christ accurately, there's wisdom that only God can bring. So in verse 18 it says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. How many of you have ever encountered someone that doesn't understand why you believe in the way that you believe? Or maybe they don't have the faith or the understanding. Or in their heart, they don't have a need to encounter the gospel in a saving manner. So you still pursue that in that way. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world, through its wisdom, did not come to know God. 
God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, the Jews asked for signs, and the Greeks searched for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. There's a difference. You and I, as Christ believers, as we understand salvation from Him alone, that we understand that we don't deserve it, and that Jesus paid our debt, we preach these differently than the world. We preach Christ crucified to Jews as a stumbling block, to Gentiles foolishness, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man and the weakness of God is stronger than man, for consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and God and the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before God. But by doing this, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that just as it is written, let him who boasts boast in the Lord. You know, the there's. There's an understanding that, that Christ came for the righteous and the unrighteous. He came for us all. That all we are like sheep who've gone astray. But all of us understand what it, need, what it means when a loving God peers into our face, sees us at our core of who we are, and tells us how much He loves us. But God demonstrated His love for us, didn't He? That when you and I were at our worst, He died for us. It's so understanding that you and I are to be in pursuit of God, that we are to remain in Him, that we are to understand that wisdom and power and might and direction and everything that's given that we might be able to stand against the attacks of the world around us comes through Him, you and I must grasp and understand that that is the most important thing. And it's not that you and I go around saying, look at me and look at what I did. We boast in the Lord and what He has done. So boasting before God in that sense. So how do we unpack this? How do we take this into the new year? Here's what we're going to do. Firstly, the new year begins or brings greetings and well wishes. So what our first endeavor should be in 2020, our first endeavor should be intentional unity. What does it mean when someone is intentionally unified? That means that you meant to be unified. You are actively involved in standing together. You do, you're doing everything humanly possible to allow for God to do what only He can in you, and by doing so, you are standing together because you're standing in one heartbeat together. You also understand that we has to be greater than me because sometimes I am selfish. Sometimes I want my own way. Sometimes I want it my way, right? But it has to be God's way, doesn't it? 
It has to be God's way. It can't be my way. It has to be God's way. But when we have that understanding that love and loving others and serving others and others' needs before mine, then I begin to understand what it's truly like to have that biblical love because I can look past one another's inconsistencies. I can look past offenses and hurts and I can say that God is greater than anything that I come against. And the most important thing I can do is stand with my brother and sister in Christ. And I can stand with them because at my worst, Christ died for me. And so we think about, well, how can I, how can I do so? You don't know what they've done. But let me tell you what, there's a time where you have to understand, God knows what we have done, yet He has sent His very best to us. How can we not stand and do the very same thing? Standing unified with and in Christ is the first endeavor that we pursue in this call for unity. Secondly, the second endeavor that we pursue is to pursue God who is faithful. I think everything builds upon the faithfulness of God as we start this new year. And even as we go into a time of revival. I have never one time in my life found that God was not faithful. God has always been good to me. When I didn't deserve it, when I didn't know Him, when I didn't have the understanding I ought to, when I lacked common sense, when God said, you know better. It was during those times where I understood that God was faithful. And so I need to pursue God at all costs. And I need to give God all of me. You know, I heard a, a preacher say it like this one time. He doesn't want just weekend visitation. He wants it all. He wants all of us. We want, to, we want the understanding that we are to pursue God at all costs. And to know that He is faithful. When you and I are pursuing after God, in that pursuit, we understand that God's going to take care of us. He's going to be there for us. He never leaves nor forsakes us. Lamentation says this. Lamentations 3.22 says, The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How many of you have ever experienced the fact that God is ever faithful? Even when we're not. Amen? God shows up when we mess up and loves us. I have never felt an embrace greater than God's love. He loves us. Thirdly, the third endeavor is to pursue wisdom from God, not worldly wisdom. That means that I have to say, what, not what do you think, what do you think, what do you think. I've got to say, not what do I think about something. I've got to say, what does God say? How does God lay it out before me? How does God's Word put this into focus? I found that if I follow my own way, or I follow my own pursuits, or maybe even if I just ask a general consensus, then I usually find myself getting into some trouble, don't I? 
Because worldly wisdom does not compare to godly wisdom. Godly wisdom supersedes anything that we encounter or face. So when I face issues in this life and when I have questions, what do I want to do? I want to go to the source. I want to understand that God and His wisdom is greater than my own understanding. There was a nationwide poll taken in the United States on religious-type questions. When asked whether they believed in God, 95% of those polled answered yes. When asked whether religion in any way affected their politics and their business, 54% said no. They had a belief but did not have a directing faith. Faith is action. Faith encompasses the entire spectrum of life's encounters and experiences. Y'all, faith is not limited in its scope. Faith is all-encompassing. And so we are to pursue wisdom from God. It matters what other people say. I know that. But it matters more what God says. And I find that if we ever get those out of order, then we begin to get off track with where God wants us to go. And there's no way we can stand together when the loudest voice in the room is not God's. Or that still small whisper that we've all heard. So we must understand we need to pursue wisdom from God as we're living out a way of godly living. Fourthly, the fourth endeavor is an intentional dispersal of the gospel. That means that you and I, as Christian believers, that we are disciples at all times and in all places. That means wherever we go, we have to think about conversations that we might have that others might be able to take and understand their need for Christ and might accept and grow in Christ. I have a friend, his name is Johnny Morgan, and he shares on his, his Facebook wall through his, through his ministry and several other things that he does of his encounters with people, everyday encounters of people. And uh, he, he always shares just, just normal things that many of us probably say, well, okay, I do that too. Like going to pump gas. He finds himself at a gas station. There's somebody in need at the gas station. He goes and, and, and not only tries to help them with their gas or helps them with something they might need, but he begins to ask them pertinent questions. What's going on? Where are you going? Why are you here? But better yet, he asks very, very poignant questions like, do you know Christ? Do you have that working relationship with Him? Has He redeemed and saved your soul? And the remarkable thing is that there are many that don't understand what He's saying. So then He develops it out further and talks to Him more. And I have seen time and again those encounters and conversations, both with Him and in my own life, where God does something extraordinary because we're willing to go and say and tell, and, and speak the good news. And it's the power of God to save somebody. You and I are merely just parts of God's plan. So when we get out of our comfort zone, when we stop looking with blinders on, when we, when we look around us and we say, God, we have something greater as disciples that we need to be doing. And we need to be telling others the good news 
of the gospel message. And we need to tell them how they might know Jesus Christ. Y'all, we live in a world right now where the greatest growing body of people describe themselves as nuns. N-O-N-E-S. Nuns. That means that they do not even designate themselves as religious. They do not care. Y'all, we live in a world today where there are so many that are against the Word of God because what have they heard? The extremes. But I'm telling you, when they encounter the true gospel in your life, when they see you, when they seek after God because of the intentionality which you live, to me, that is a time where the darkness is pushed back. And those who are nuns and those who are not seeking find Jesus Christ. Because God meets us in the deepest of our depravity and need and loves on us. He loves on us. There was a story given of the Second World War. An aircraft carrier was out in the North Atlantic. As it was engaged in war, its six pilots took off from the carrier to scout out enemy submarines. While these pilots were gone, the captain of the ship issued an alarm. The button was pushed, and every light on the ship was extinguished. Eventually, these pilots started to come back toward the mothership, and realizing that she was down there somewhere, although they could not find her, they radioed the ship, Give us light, we're coming home. The radio operator on the ship radioed back, Order, blackout, I cannot give you light. Another pilot picked up his radio and said, Just give us some light and we'll make it. And the radio operator said, No light, blackout. The third pilot picked up his radio and said, Just give us one light and we'll land. The operator could do no more. He reached over, turned the switch, and broke radio contact. Six red-blooded aviators in the prime of manhood went down in the North Atlantic and out into eternity. You and I are living in a world where there are people looking for light. Just a little light. They are looking for hope that comes through Jesus Christ. You and I cannot listen to their cries or cannot just observe what's going on without doing something for the glory of God. So the light is important. The final endeavor is to help new members assimilate into the life of friendship so that they stay. Helping people find a home and being plugged in means that they are connected. Connection means to feed people spiritually. What does it mean to be fed? It means that they are now feeding others. That means that if you become a new creation in Christ, you begin to know and grow in Christ. That means that you are connected and you are involved. And if you know how to grow in Christ, and you are growing in Christ, and you're knowing more about the Bible, and you're praying more, and you're allowing for God to do something in your life, then you're going to tell somebody else that, right? You're going to share with them what good things God is doing. And that helps them know Christ. That helps them grow in Christ. That helps them do that as well. So we must help others find a home. So this morning I've got very poignant questions I really want to ask you. What is standing in your way of being unified in Christ? What's standing in your way? Also, as we think about revival coming in a few weeks, what are you hoping God does within your life 
and this church during that time? What are you hoping? Because if you go into it just saying, well, I'm just going to go. What are you hoping for? We've all got struggles and sorrows, difficulties. What are you hoping God does in your life and in the life of the church? And how will you serve Him? Y'all, if we don't pursue after unity, we'll hit the mark every time, won't we? We'll hit it every time if we don't pursue unity, right? But when we're going together, God's going to do more than we ever understand. It's an all-encompassing faith in God that draws us near to go for Him, to bring glory to Him. We think of Paul who said, let me get out of the way that, that Christ might be glorified. You and I have got to say that within our lives. Let us get out of the way that Christ might be glorified. And it's not about always agreeing on everything. It's about knowing who Christ has created us to be and living that out. Y'all, there's something that we should be known for and that should be how we stand together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come this morning. God, we are ever thankful that we have another day to come, another day to worship, another day to seek you and your kingdom first. Heavenly Father, your word leads us to stand together, but it begs of us to ask the question, who Christ is in our lives? So God, I pray if there's someone here this morning that is thinking about eternity and does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. God, I pray that that commitment comes today. Heavenly Father, God, I pray for those that are going through difficult times, God, that maybe they've lost their way. But Heavenly Father, they're not lost to you. God, just love on those, encourage those to get engaged and involved in your mission around them. Heavenly Father, we each as disciples have missions. And that means that we are, we are one who needs to extend ourselves for your calling in our lives. God, how many people are waiting to hear the good news? No matter where we are. No matter what we're doing. Heavenly Father, our faith in you is not relegated to a building. But God, as we, your people, are the church, you go with wherever we are. God, whether that's work, in the classroom, whether that's on a team, whether that's at home with friends, doctor's offices, wherever it finds us these days, God, how are we faithful to you and ever faithful God? God, I thank you for Jesus and what he has forgiven me for. But I pray for those who have yet to come that they might know that he is everything he proclaims to be. Heavenly Father, as we seek you and your goal for our lives this month through revival, God, help us to be bearers of your light so that one, two, or more might know that you are Lord and Savior. Father, draw us near to you this morning as we begin to think about who we are in you. And it's in your mighty name that we pray. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. We know that your time is the most valuable item you have, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, 
or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fbcms. Both can be found in the show notes below. If you would leave a rating or review for our new podcast, we would be very appreciative. And if you would share it with others, we would be eternally grateful. We pray that you have a God-filled day. And remember, love God, love people, and reach the world. Have a good day.